I'm excited about today's message. We are in a series called Christmas Is, and today I want to talk to you about some gifts. Christmas represents a lot of gifts, and today we're going to talk about the gift from God, and we're going to talk about the gifts from the wise men or the magi. Say magi. The magi. Uh, you, I'm not going to sit here and try to sing We Three Kings and you say amen to that. That's okay. It's okay to say amen, Pastor. You don't need to sing to us. But we are going to talk about the meaning of some of those things and the gifts involved. And while I was sitting in worship, I felt the Holy Spirit give me a little bit more insight even into today's message. So if you allow me a little bit of freedom, I'm going to kind of play around with what I was going to say and just allow the Holy Spirit to just kind of expand it just a little bit. But I really believe there's some key points today as we look at some observations from the wise men. We look at some observations from the gifts and the timing of those gifts. And I really believe that you're here for an appointed time. Do you know the Lord orders your steps? Do you understand that? So you're in this church in this time to hear this message on purpose. You're watching right now on the internet. You're hearing this message in this time on purpose. I always love the Christmas season. I love singing Christmas songs. I love the, the traditions, and I love all the things about Christmas. But for some reason, this year, this holiday to me, there's just so much meaning in everything. I feel the Holy Spirit constantly as I hear a Christmas song, and I think about the theology in that song, or I hear the message coming back full circle again, or I'm hearing the promise of God being declared in those carols, or I'm seeing the symbolism of giving gifts because we received a gift. I'm telling you, there is an anointing. This is not like any other year. God is up to something, and it's not just in my life. I speak it over you, Calvary. God is up to something. For those who have eyes to see, those who have ears to hear, if you'll put your faith and you say, be, done it, be it done unto me according to your word. This is not traditional Christmas as usual. I believe God is speaking and setting you up for 2022 and not just because, hey, it's a new year. Let's all just get kind of excited about it. I am watching the messages, which the message is the word which goes first. The word goes first and it parts the water. Do you understand that the Ark of the Covenant went first into the Jordan River? That was the symbolism of the word of God going first. And when it hit the water, it parted the water so everyone else could go into their promised land. The word goes first. God speaks what he's going to do first so that when it happens, you know it was God and you know that who you can give the glory to. Amen. And you can put confidence in that work. So I'm telling you, the word is going first. And the manifestation of that word will soon follow. Amen. I wasn't planning on getting that emotional that fast. We're going to talk about the gifts. We're going to talk about the wise men and some of the different things we can see and learn in that message. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Praise God. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles provided for you throughout the sanctuary. There's tables here, here, and in the, and in the back. I feel like a stewardess. Uh, exits are here, here, and here. Um, but there's Bibles here, here, and here, and there's notebooks for you as well, so you can take notes throughout the message. I really encourage taking notes during church. It helps you not only remember, but as you take notes, I believe the Holy Spirit expands your thoughts. You prioritize and say, this is valuable enough to write down, and God honors that act of honor, and he gives you even more. So I encourage you to not just sit there with your arms folded, but get a pen, get some paper, and write some things down. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Have you found it in your Bibles? Visitors from the east. 
Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, uh, your Bible may say magi, from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure. Underline that in your Bibles, please. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to talk about this passage just for a little bit today. First of all, let me clear up a couple of things when it comes to the idea of the wise men. Uh, the Bible doesn't actually record them being kings, although the song is We Three Kings. It does say that they're wise men or magi. We'll talk about what that means in just a little bit. We don't know that there were three. Sometimes we assume there were three because of the three gifts, as if one brought gold, one brought frankincense, one brought myrrh. But could have, we know there was more than one because it's plural, wise men. So there could have been two to three to more. The other concept that I'd like to just say because it's fun for me to say is that they didn't show up at the stable or the nativity like so much, many of our home you know, nativities represent. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think that's great. Um, being from a Cuban background with Maria's family, nativities are a big part of our Christmas tradition. And the wise men are always there. But the Bible tells us that they actually showed up at Jesus' house. And so Jesus was probably about two years old or something like that, based on the time when the wise men first saw the star, kind of the gathering their things. Uh, we have pretty much that understanding that he wasn't still in the stable. Say, Pastor Kevin, what does that have to do with the message today? Nothing. It's just information that I think helps so that we just get our picture right, okay? So anyways, now let's move forward. Let's talk about the star just for a little bit, the star. God was speaking to the earth with signs and wonders in the sky. I want to kind of think about that just for a little bit. Uh, this is not a new idea, the idea of God using the sky to declare something important. The sky had been God's billboard to communicate with man who did not necessarily have the Word or the Holy Spirit to see or hear or sense what God was doing internally. And so you can see God kind of even identify from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, that he was going to use the sky to declare his will. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse in the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. 
The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 19, verse 1, that the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. I'm not talking about using planets and stars to tell of your love life or of your lucky lottery numbers. Come on. I am talking about God using stars or the sky to communicate to the earth that doesn't know him by their spirit, that doesn't necessarily understand the scriptures, but God is trying to get the attention of everybody. And he uses those things. And in this in particular passage, in this in particular moment, God used a star. Now you can do a quick search on the internet and there's all kinds of opinions of what the star could have been. The star could have been a comet. The star could have been two planets coming together. Some theories believe that the two planets could have been Saturn and Jupiter, and then there's all kinds of meaning that might be involved in that. I'm not here to tell you what the star was. I wasn't there, neither with you. But I am here to say this, that whether it was a comet or whether it was planets coming together for a certain time or a certain season, something significant, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to why I believe it, it really probably was some sort of planets or some sort of timing issue, and that's the key right there is timing. Timing. That these wise men, these magi, were watching and looking at the sky, and there was a set time that Jesus was going to be born on the earth. There was a set time that God's gift to mankind of salvation and peace and the Messiah coming was appointed. And as we talk about gifts, this is where the Holy Spirit started kind of just speaking to me even during worship today. God's gift had an appointed time to be here. And the reason it's interesting is those planets, let's say it was two planets kind of aligning to make a bright star, that that was set in motion from the foundation of the earth. That those planets would cross and be where they needed to be at the exact moment to declare the Savior's birth. Or let's say it was a comet then that comet, what we know about comets, is they take certain paths that take a certain amount of time. Some can take thousands of years to arrive at a specific point. And for all of that to line up to declare the birth of the King of the Jews, to birth of the King of Kings, there is a timing that God, let me just say it like this, God has been orchestrating all of this from the beginning. And I want you to see that. I want you to feel that for a minute. That even that star in the sky is not just some little simple thing, but it's the entire universe coming together to declare something has changed. To announce the most significant news story, news flash on God's billboard of the sky to, the, to, the, to, to mankind to see that the king has come to the earth. You can celebrate that, that's okay. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter four, verse five, it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The key phrase there I want you to see is fullness of time. Would you write that in your notes, please? Fullness of time. 
Even those planets, he couldn't come any sooner because the planets weren't ready yet. The comet wasn't there yet. Are you seeing what I'm saying? There's so many times in Scripture that there's a timing involved, and God's gift to the earth was for a specific and an appointed time. There's, as much as we might have wanted, the world might have wanted Jesus to come sooner, he had to come exactly when he came. And there's all kinds of theories and thoughts. I could do historical background stuff with you, which I always enjoy. One of those being that in that time of the Roman government, that was an ideal strategic time because there was trade and traffic going from the Middle East all over the world and things were passing through so the gospel could go through those things. There was kind of some centralized language and some centralized writing that people were sharing and economy. And God is brilliant and he did it in this crossroads of human history to make sure that the gospel could get to the whole earth. God is, is pretty smart. Amen? Amen? But I'm going to talk to you just a minute about you presenting your gift to God like the wise men did. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second. But while I was worshiping today, I just felt in my heart for some of you, I'm about to encourage you to give your gift to God one more time. Your gifts, your talents, your anointings, your abilities to God. But someone or some spirit in the room, or maybe you're watching on the internet, some of you are discouraged because you say, I, 20 years ago, I used my gift but now I'm 20 years older or 30 years older. Or I tried that before and it didn't work out. Or I attempted this offering of my gift to the Lord then, and I'm just here to tell you that there's something about the timing of the Lord. And some of these gifts needed a fullness of time. Jesus needed to come in the fullness of time, in a very specific time that God knew of. Moses tried to use his gift too early. If you go to the Old Testament and you see Moses trying to be a deliverer before his time, and it didn't work out. Nobody followed. This has nothing to do with my message. Well, it does have something to do with the message, but it's not in my notes. So you're like, why are we talking about Moses on Christmas? Because of timing. Are you following me real quick? Moses. You say, who's Moses? I don't know Moses yet, Pastor Kevin. Moses was the deliverer of the Old Testament. He, got broad, he pulled God's people. God used him to deliver his people out of the bondage of Egypt, out from underneath the, the oppression of Pharaoh. But Moses tried to be a deliverer 40 years too soon. The fullness, the appropriate time had not happened yet. And so when he tried to step forward as a deliverer, nobody followed. Come on. And you might say, well, now he's too old. But you're never too old when you're on God's timetable. You're never too old when you're on God's timetable. He knows what he's doing. And so when I'm about to tell you to bring your gift back and offer it to the Lord again, do not let the past or its successes or failures dictate whether or not you try again this time. Which goes back to what I said in the beginning. I believe we are in, a, in an appointed time here at Calvary. I'm hearing the word going forth. The word goes first, then the manifestation of that word. And I'm telling you that this is not just a little message saying, bring your gift forward now. Bring your gifts forward now. Even gifts that you used in the past that you thought where for an old season, God is pulling them off the shelf. You know what? Gold never goes out of style. 
Come on. Gold never goes out of style. If it was a gift from God and it's got the glory in it, it never goes out of style. It never expires. Come on. Fullness of time. Notice, no one else was looking for the king. No one else saw this thing except these magi or these wise men from the east. People were going on with their life. The whole world had shifted, and no one knew. (laughs) That's why it's so important that you're in tune with what the Spirit is saying and what the Spirit is doing. Because God can make great shifts in the earth, and the world looks like it's it's the same, but nothing's the same. It's all changed for those who'll see it and those who'll receive it. Amen? Those who'll go to it. Like the shepherds went and beheld it. The wise men came at great cost to go and worship and act in faith. They acted in faith in going and following that star, believing they were going to see this king. Something of global impact is happening. Something of eternal significance had taken place. The most significant, significant event in human history had just occurred. The, the very sky was declaring it, and only a handful of people noticed. So who were these wise men, these magi? So not really thinking, most theologians don't believe they were kings. They maybe represented a kingdom. The word wise men or the phrase wise men is actually familiar in the Bible. We actually kind of see this imagery, some of this language in in Egypt, in the Old Testament. But we also see it a lot in Babylon. I'll talk about that in just a second. So like I said, there may have been two or more, three, who knows. And here's the other interesting thing about when they did arrive, because in our nativity scene, we only see like three guys with like a donkey, and the other two walked for some reason in our our nativities. I don't know why the one guy gets a donkey, or he gets a camel, right? This one guy is on a camel, everyone else is like walking. Um, But if you really have these like noble, wise men, traveling across the uh, desert. It's a really good chance that they didn't travel alone. It's a really good chance that they came with servants and they came with armed guards and they had whole like tents and food and because this is a big deal, right? Like our, our, little, our little picture of like the wise men coming to town is just like three guys, but it was enough of an entourage to get the attention of Herod, who was a wicked king who wasn't paying attention to just little things. But these noblemen had come to town, kind of like Prince Ali in Aladdin, right? <laughs> Fabulous he, Ali I should have been in Christmases. I should have been in Christmases. Come on. Anyways, I'm telling you, it got the attention of the king. So there was a whole entourage that came, which I think is pretty spectacular. So one of the theories of who these wise men from the east are is they are from Persia or from Babylon, which then one of the lessons I want to talk to you about is impact, the idea of gifts and impact and people using their gifts. Why would wise men, now that word wise men, remember what I said, if you go to the book of Daniel, you're going to find that Daniel becomes chief of the wise men in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego become chief of all the wise men, and then the later parts of the book of Daniel describe those wise men of the king as the astrologers, 
the magicians, astronomers, the wise men of that day. That's pretty big. So here these Jewish slaves, about 500 years earlier, get taken to Babylon, and these young men get put into slavery in Babylon. Let's just go with this theory, because no one can prove it one way or the other, but this is one of the reigning theories, is that these wise men came from Persia, from that Babylonian region. So let's talk about this thing of the gifts. Why would these Persians, Babylonians, be waiting for a Jewish king? Do you see what I'm saying? Try to focus in here, right? Focus on what I'm saying. Why would Persians, Babylonians, be waiting for a Jewish king? Possibly because of the influence and the effect of these Hebrews, these Jews that were taken captive 500 years earlier. They became the chief of the astrologers, the chief of the magicians, the chief of the astronomers. And Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, had very specific dreams about the coming of the Messiah. You should write these things down in your notes. To the point where it was certain amount of weeks, certain amount of years, and there would come a Messiah, and there would come this and this and this in Jewish history and in the history of the world. So it does stand to reason that Daniel's influence as chief of the magicians and astrologers of Persia and of Babylon, that the reason they were looking was because of Daniel's influence 500 years earlier. So let's just like deconstruct this thing and go back. This is all about gifts. Remember the first gift I said was God's gift coming at a specific time, specific place, this idea of gifts. But now we have Daniel using his gifts in Babylon as a slave, being taken captive, but yet that created a platform for him to so influence that kingdom that hundreds of years later, those wise men and astrologers were still watching. We're still looking. God, please let our lives, as we give our gifts in our city or in our places of work or places that we have influence, the way we speak, the way we live, the way we give our lives, may it so impact people that even after we're gone, they're still looking, they're still watching, they're still waiting, they're looking to see all those things that our lives stood for. See, because they left Daniel before he died, obviously he wrote everything down, so he left his, they left their, their Jewish laws, they left their Jewish prophecies, they, he left his dreams, his visions, they wrote him down. Some of you, I just feel, felt this while I was getting ready for this message, some of you, the way you have lived for God, years after you go home to be with the Lord, your impact will still transform your families, will still impact and transform cities and nations. But you need to start writing some of these things down. You need to start writing them in books. You need to start recording them. You need to start making videos. You need to start doing something to leave behind what you know, what God has shown you, and there will be people 
Now notice, it wasn't the entire kingdom. It might have just been a small group. And maybe there's just a handful of your family line. I don't know. But you need to start believing that what God has shown you is significant enough to, to write it down so that you can leave it for those that will come. And there will be those that will lay hold of it for years and years and generations to come. Amen? But part of the reasons we don't write those things down or we don't use those things is because we don't believe enough in what God has shown us or we think we're, it's just a, a little thing. It's not a little thing. The gifts and the wisdoms and the revelations and the thoughts that God has given you, they're eternal things. They're powerful truths. And so perhaps these wise men showed up because Daniel, hundreds of years earlier, lived a life of nobility, lived a life of character. If Daniel didn't honor God with his life, he didn't live a life of character, I guarantee you there wouldn't be any wise men waiting to serve his God. And then Daniel left an impact. Daniel affected, if you go back to the book of Daniel, he impacted multiple kings that came to rule Babylon, all because of the quality and the way he lived his life and honored his God. And he used his gifts to the glory of God. And here we are, hundreds of years later, this group of wise men that we talk about, that we even have on our mantelpieces, we may not realize that goes all the way back to Daniel's obedience, all the way back to Daniel's character, all the way back to Daniel living righteously, being persecuted, saying, if you pray, you're going to get thrown in the lion's den. But he prayed anyway. That's what happens when you live your life for God. You live a life of character. You live a life of holiness. You use your gift to glorify God. It changes things for generations to come. That's a good place to say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Let me live a life like that. Use my gifts like that. Amen? So I asked the question, why did the wise men come? Number one, they came because they were watching. They were watching. They were watchers. And I just speak this over us as a church and over the body of Christ. May we be watchers, knowing the signs of the times, and hearing the Spirit and the Word as it speaks to us. See, the shepherds, they were oblivious, but the angels came and gave them a revelation that something had happened. But the wise men had been watching. God, let us be like the wise men, watching. We know something's about to take place in this earth. I, I don't know all the details, but something is changing. If you're not watching, you're going to miss it, unless God gives you some, like, heavenly host divine thing. But for those that are watching, they're ahead. They're preparing. They're getting ready to be mobilized for the season. Are you seeing this? There are signs of the times all around us. Now, you might say it's signs of the times of the rapture of the church, perhaps. But even before we get to that rapture of the church, what I'm sensing is I'm sensing a great season of harvest a great season of awakening and revival because I believe he wants the banqueting table full. I believe he's giving us time to go into the highways and the byways because the initial group of people didn't come. They got busy with their life. They got busy with their money. But he's like, wait, there's still more room at my table and I'm not satisfied. So you go get anyone who'll listen. And that's the season I believe we've been brought into that we get to go be the, the preachers of the gospel. And there's a harvest, a great harvest of souls. Then the end shall come. That's my belief on that. 
but I believe I see it. I see a hunger coming into the world. I see great desperation. I see systems failing. And then here the kingdom of God and the systems of God are standing and the light is getting brighter while the darkness is getting darker. And I see the shift coming. May we see it, but you know, we don't necessarily see it by reading the stars of the skies. We see it by reading his word and seeing those prophecies fulfilled. We sense it in our spirit as the Holy Spirit is speaking to his body, the church, saying, wake up, the hour is near. Wake up, I've anointed you and appointed you for such a time as this. Wake up, it's not the time just to go sit in a church building. You are the church, and you, wherever you go, you go have church. You go bring the church. You are the body of Christ. We're not here to just do religious activity, we're here to change a planet. We're here to save souls. We're here to push back darkness, which is why the devil's got to get rid of us before he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. But he can't get rid of us. Amen. The, the, what's going to happen is the Lord is going to just take us home, praise God, and then there'll be that final judgment that happens in the earth. But that's why the devil can't do his full plan until the church gets taken out of the way which to me is a prophecy of a glorious church. Do you understand that? If the devil could do everything he wanted to do, the Bible wouldn't say that the Antichrist was limited until that which withholds him is taken out of the way. It's us. Because we're, we're, we're thwarting his plans. We're, we're a thorn in his side. He can't do everything he wants to do because we keep saying truth, light, gospel truth, and the devil just can't wait for that because he can't do it all. If we were just broke down, weak, church of no authority, the devil didn't matter if we're still here. The devil doesn't care that we're still here. But he cannot do everything he wants to do because you are still the influencers in this planet, whether you know it or believe it or not. You are still the body of Christ, the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. The devil would love to hide you, but he can't do it. Amen. Amen. They came because they were watching. May we be watchers again of the signs of the times, of the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying and what the Word of God is saying. They came because they were watching. And then secondly, they came to worship. And they came to bring their gifts. They came to worship Him with their gifts. I love that they brought their gifts. They didn't send their gifts they brought them themselves. That's you, that's me. Our gift is a part of who we are. We bring ourselves, we bring our gifts to the king. You don't just write a check. Amen, come on, let's think about this a little bit more deeply now. You don't just write a check to Jesus. That check represents you, your effort, your life, your giftings, all those things. But if you just think you're paying bills and writing a check, you're missing it. You bring you in that offering. You bring yourself. It represents you. That's why offerings are important. Offerings aren't tips to God. Offerings are you in the plate. Come on. Offerings are you in the plate. They, these wise men, brought their gifts. Amen. They were connected to those gifts. They were a part of them. Here's what I'll say, and then we're going we're gonna to close this. 
So I talked about God's timing and his gifts. There's specific gifts linked to specific timings in the earth. I encourage you, for some of you, I just felt in my heart this morning, there is a timing that you need to believe in to bring your gifts back. This is the time to bring those gifts back. Don't, don't think that you missed it or you tried before and it didn't work. Moses tried and it was just out of season. It was out of time. But when it was in the right time, he became the deliverer that God had promised. And so I'm just encouraging some of you, this is the time. This is that season. I sense it in my spirit very strongly. And don't say that some of your gifts for, were, are too old because they were for a past season. Again, gold doesn't lose, its, doesn't lose its value in the seasons. It stays glorious, okay? Then the wise men came, and there's a timing. I talked about that. The wise men came, brought their gifts. But the final thing I want you to see about this gift is this. When the wise men presented their gifts to the king, that's when the world saw Jesus. The world didn't see Jesus in the signs in the sky. The world didn't see Jesus by hearing the angels. The world and the world governments and the world leaders saw Jesus as people came and brought their gifts and gave them to him. As you give your gift and you open your gift up and serve the Lord with your gifts and your talents, that's when the world sees the Jesus that they've missed. Because they're not reading their Bibles. You see this? They're not reading their Bibles. They're not feeling the Holy Spirit. They're not sensing the signs of the time. But all of a sudden, you come with your voice. You come with your hands, and you offer something to this Jesus. All of a sudden, they see him. Are you understanding that? They see him because you offer your gifts to him. Now, some people may say you're wasting your gifts upon the Lord. Like they said to the woman who, who broke the alabaster box, and they said, what a waste. But you never waste anything on Jesus. And the truth is, the only reason they said that was because they wanted to take that woman's money and do something with it, them themselves. And who knows that people who tell you you're wasting your gift on Jesus, they just want to exploit you and use your gift for their own gain. Come on. But when you give your gifts to Jesus, those that don't know Jesus, those that don't have an awakening to the things of the Spirit, they can't see it yet. But when you worship him, you help them see what they couldn't see. You help them see him as something more than a baby in a manger, as something more than some guy on a stained glass window. Because here you are with your gifts, with your talents, with your business skills, with your voice, with your, with your athleticism, with your, the talents of your hands and the skills that God's given you, and you choose to honor and include Jesus and the name of Jesus in what you do, you begin to help him become real to them. Amen. That was the first time Herod was aware that Jesus had come because the wise men came and brought their gifts to him. So what does all this mean to us? Number one, the star. When God's working on something big, his timing is perfect. I just speak that over you. When God's working on something big, his timing is perfect. Number two, 
God, help us to influence our culture like Daniel did. That when we're long gone, others will still be seeking God because of our examples, because of the books we leave behind, because of the testimonies we leave behind. How many of you would like that to be your life? Raise your hand if you would like that to be your life. God, after I'm long gone, let the life I've lived, the way I've lived it, point people to Jesus far after I go home to be with the Lord. And then lastly, I ask you this. Will you bring your gifts, your lives, your treasure, your talent to Jesus so that the world may see the one you worship with your gifts and talents? I love that the wise men, the magi, were not embarrassed to come into town saying, I'm here to give my gift to Jesus. I love that. May you never be embarrassed to give your gifts and talents to Jesus. Amen? Think about your gifts. Think about your talents. Now, I, I try to use illustrations that are, you know, variety with singing and athleticism and business, but you may have other gifts and talents. You may be a teacher. You might be a mechanic. You might do something else that I can't even imagine right now, but it's beautiful, and God has strategically designed and crafted and created you with these gifts and talents. And as you bring Jesus into it, and somehow you use it to be an offering to Jesus, your family sees Jesus, the people who come into your business see Jesus. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because you're not just an attorney, you love Jesus, and somehow in how you practice, you honor and give that talent to God, so everyone who comes through your office doors, all of a sudden, Jesus is a part of their worldview. Jesus is a part of what they see. Are you hearing me? Maybe you pray with a client. Maybe you pray with some people that you work with. Maybe you have a little, maybe you're like, you know what, I don't normally do this, but something's in my heart for you. This is just what I felt in my heart, and you share that with them, and you're like, that's so out of context. It's not, because you're the church, wherever you are. You're like, Pastor Kevin, I just delivered packages, but who knows how God might use that talent, how God may use that to point people to Jesus. And it's all linked to this time and season we're moving into of a great harvest. Aren't we glad to be alive right now, to be here for such a time as this? Why don't you stand? Would you stand, please? Let me close this in a word of prayer. I'm going to pray this over you, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Let me pray this into your life. Heavenly Father, right now I come and I thank you for today. I thank you for the steps of the righteous being ordered of the Lord, that those that are here today or watching on the internet, that they were appointed to hear this message. They were appointed to hear your word. They are here in your timing and in your season. And when you're doing something great, there is a timing for it. And God, I speak that over their lives right now, that there's an awakening to the times and the season of which we get the privilege of being alive that we don't waste or squander it, that we don't wait for another day saying, oh, someday, or some days have come. We are in the moment now. Lord, I pray also that we will live lives of righteousness and holiness and character and that we will write down and share and tell the stories that you've given us to pass on our faith and to pass on this heritage and this culture to generations to come if there happens to be generations to come. And God, I pray for the gifts and the talents represented in this room 
Lord, there's photographers, there's doctors, there's chefs, there's teachers, there's lawyers, there's government officials, there's businessmen and women, there's entertainers, there's athletes, there's moms and dads and brothers and sisters, all these gifts, all these talents in this room. God, show us how to open those gifts to serve Jesus and let the world see Jesus in those gifts being manifest. We give them to you. We offer them to you with great joy. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. amen. Go ahead and give God praise. Celebrate him. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let me give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You might have come today and you don't know where you stand with God. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning every one of us needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages and penalty of that sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible tells us that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning to call on the name of the Lord Jesus because he wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. You might say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I ever prayed that prayer to give my life to Jesus. Let's do it today. Or you might say, I used to have a relationship with the Lord, but I've walked away. It's cold. It's not where I want it to be. I would like to make a fresh start and a recommitment to Jesus today. If that's you, I want you to call on the Lord today. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray a prayer together to call on the Lord together right here in this room. Again, number one, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Or number two, you're saying, I need a restart. I want to recommit myself afresh to the Lord today. So will you all bow your heads and close your eyes? Give people just a moment between them and Jesus. I'm going to count to three. And if you would like to pray that prayer with me, I simply ask you by faith to just raise your hand where you are, and we'll pray with you right there at your seat. I don't, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time, or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? There's one hand there. Two, three. Awesome. Four. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put it up so I can see it. We'll pray for you. Five. Wonderful. Anybody else today? Six. Thank you, sir. I see you. Don't leave this place out of relationship with the Lord. All right, let's pray together. Would you please pray this prayer with me? Everybody praying together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six? Praise God. Amen. Welcome home, everybody. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. 
To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.